Good morning. Glad you're here today with us, and I love to see those kids. You know, incredibly, we have many more kids at the first service than we do the second, but it is great whenever they're here. We are glad to have our kids with us. Don't forget to fill out the card today. As always, it helps us so much in the, in the office when we get to get those in, so we'd appreciate that. Once again, glad you're here today. You know, one of the great things that, that I'm blessed to get to do is from time to time, about it's supposed to be once a year, but it doesn't always happen, but is go away and write sermons for a while. And that I try to go someplace I've never been before, try to get thoughts in my mind, see things in a different way. And today you may know that we're in, in part of a series called Thoughts in New England, thoughts that I had while we were there, Barbara and I were there. I'd never been to New England before. I thought I had been. Back a few years ago, we were in Washington, D.C., and I said to the Uber driver, I said, you know, I have never been to the Northeast before. And he said, this isn't the Northeast. I said, well, it is when you're from Houston, Texas. This is really Northeast. So we had a great time there. Most of that time was spent in the Boston area, around Boston, other parts of, of uh, the Northeast as well. But this sermon is a little different than others, and most of these sermons I wrote at least to outline while we were there. And, and one of the things that we did while we were there was we stayed in two Airbnbs. Now, I'd hoped to stay in just one the whole time. We had this great one about 30 minutes by train outside of Boston, 40 minutes outside of Boston. It's a great place to stay. I said to Barbara one night, I said, do you think this is the one? She says, it's the one. I said, in the morning, I'm going to hit click and we'll, we'll get it. When I woke up in the morning, half of that time was gone, so we had to find another Airbnb for the second half of the trip. Well, I don't know anything about that part of the country, and I read reading about Cape Cod, and things on Cape Cod are pretty expensive, as you might guess, but there was one that really wasn't very expensive at all, and so I thought, hey, this may be the thing. You already know where we're headed, probably. So... I hit click on it, and it had pretty good reviews, and this is a picture of the place where we stayed. We got there at night. Now, that was difficult because there were literally no lights at all, and so we pull into this, and I'm thinking this house is sitting all by itself, and whenever we sit on TV or, or on our computer, it's like, it's like, yeah, this, this is, you know, it's bigger than we need, a little bit bigger, but just two of us, but it'll work out great. So we get there, it's dark, we can't figure out anything. This is one unit of many units, it's not just all by itself. And, and I text the person that, that had the Airbnb that we had a connection with, and, and, and that took a while, and, and finally a neighbor came out and said, oh yeah, your unit is over here, like this, over here. I'm like, what is that? So this is the house, and so you'll see, I thought it was odd when we rented it, that the door was right over here on the edge. Well, what I didn't know was there's another door halfway, and I go, oh, well, it's a duplex. We get half. That's good. But then there's another door, and so it's really a triplex, and each house, each group has about 300 square feet, and so it's pretty small. Let me tell you, a matter of fact, we walk in, and it's dark, and turn on the lights, and it's really cold inside. It was about 50 degrees outside, 52 maybe, and the wind is blowing, but it's next to the sea, and so, all oh, that's wonderful. And so we, we walk in, and it's really small, and it's clean, and it's really old, and, you know, it's not the best in the world. You know what I'm saying. You know, you might, you might have written a little note as you, as you 
left saying, we're not going to stay there again. You know, that kind of thing. And so uh, we go in, and it's not so great. Matter of fact, we are carrying our big suitcases, and our big suitcases take up the whole room. And I'm there to write sermons, and so I'm going to write sermons imagining, you know, a nice table kind of to write. And it really was not that bad of a card table. It, you know, it was, you know, that's what it was. And folding chair, you know, and, and no internet. And sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad. Well, Barbara says, even though it's dark, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to sit on the porch because, I mean, look where we are. I've got to go outside. You can't see a thing. It's dark. And so she goes outside and, and she kind of bundles up a little bit for that for a little while, you know, the last 30 minutes or so, 40 minutes. So she's been out there a while. And I've been writing a sermon there at the card table. And I think, you know, I've kind of come to an end of a section. I want to go out and just see how she's doing. I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt. And I go outside. And as I'm closing the door, as I know she would want me to close the door, because after all, it's windy and that's what you do when you go outside, she's saying something. And as, I, as it goes, plop, she says, I said, what did you say? She said, we don't have a key and it automatically locked. So we are locked outside in the dark place we've never been before and it is cold and unfortunately my phone has some battery and at first it is so hilarious you know how that is. I mean it's just hilarious we're locked outside so the window we can't open it it's locked and we can't we can't get in the door it's locked and and so I text the Airbnb owner and and she doesn't text back although she promises to text back within 15 minutes and she doesn't and I call her number and she doesn't answer and I just you know, wrote her a mess another message about 30 minutes later. And I say, you know, if you could just drop by with the key, it's my fault. I did it wrong. I'm sorry. I'll pay extra if I need to. It's my fault. But if you could just drop by. And then we waited and waited. And Barbara found, or, or one of us, this Adirondack, Adirondack chair that kind of put by me that helped block the wind a little bit. And then my wife, who is as pure as snow, and I probably will be eating Thanksgiving alone for telling you this, but she went and borrowed a blanket off someone else's porch. And so she, she said she knocked on the door. I don't know if she did or not, but I was very thankful for the blanket because I wasn't going to jail. And so, and so we had the blanket, and two and a half hours later, we had decided we are out here all night long. Two and a half hours later, the owner texted me and said, I don't live on Cape Cod. I live in Virginia. And I can't drop by. And I, it's the end of the season. Everybody's gone home. And that's one reason why it was a good price. And so I've called everybody I know that had a key, and nobody has a key. So if you can find a way to get in a window, that's it. And I'm like, <laughs> and so... Fortunately, there was a window on the back. I would have never been able to get through it, but Barbara got through that window, and everything was fine. But it was frustrating. But let me tell you what, when we got in, it was pretty nice. <laughs> I mean, there was a bed. There was a couch. And I mean, it had running water. There was a heater. And for the rest of the time, we talked about how nice that little house was. <laughs> Boy, a per perspective can change. You know what I'm talking about? There are times that we complain about what we have. 
until we don't have it anymore. And we realize what we have is not nearly as bad as what we thought. And our hearts change from being one of disappointment to one of gratitude. I saw this cartoon, and in light of uh, Thanksgiving, I thought, you all needed to see it too, it's Snoopy. He says, well, how about that? Everybody's eating turkey today on Thanksgiving, but just because I'm a dog, I get dog food. Well, of course, it could have been worse. I could have been born a turkey. Yeah. It's always important to remember it could have been worse, right? And so even this Thanksgiving, if you don't have exactly what you want to eat or with the exact people you want to be with, or even if you're by yourself, there are things to be thankful for, and sometimes an attitude adjustment is good for us. Well, today I'm taking us away from Cape Cod to go back to Galilee into a time in the life of Jesus, a real-life story from the life of Jesus from Luke chapter 17, verses 10 through 14. And let me tell you, I have read this a million times, and I have preached it a thousand times, but I saw it in a whole new light this time, and I don't really know why. I even saw it in a new light after I had written the sermon. And so maybe you will too, maybe you won't, but it, it's a powerful one to me, that the words, not mine, but Jesus' words, and the event that occurred. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, this is a really interesting story in so many ways. You go, okay, I've heard that a thousand times. If you are a church-going person, maybe you have even seen it. If you grew up going to Bible class, you know this in flannel graph, you know the whole story. But this is powerful. You may know that lepers were outcast. They were outcast. Leper can't live with other people right? They would go to a leper colony. Now, it's probably a little different type of leprosy than what we have today or what we have known of, but still it is a skin disease and it's bad. We, we, know, we know about COVID and we know of dangers of COVID and we know about isolating because of COVID and some people say 10 days, some say two weeks or whatever it is, but when you have leprosy, you isolate forever, you are sent to a colony all with all other lepers, and you are not allowed to talk or touch to anybody else in close proximity. You talk about having something that would be awful, that's it. And you may know and may have read before or studied that whenever a leper came close, if they were near you, you were to walk on the other side of the road, you were to put your hand over your face with, with a covering over your face and yell out to everybody, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine what that would be like? I remember when Barbara and I had COVID, for example, and, 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 and praise God, ours wasn't a, a, a terrible, we didn't have a terrible episode of it. It didn't feel great, but we would try to get out, as the doctor told us, and, and have some sun and go out by ourselves sometimes when no one was there back on our back creek. And one day our neighbor comes out with her dog, and she says, hey, David and Barbara, and she's walking toward us, and we said, don't come any closer. You know, we have COVID. And so she was like, oh, and she started walking the other way with her dog. It's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. The dog was sitting down. For about 15 yards, the dog was still sitting down. She was dragging that dog. Come on, come on, come on. Dragging him away. I said, I feel like the leper in the story. You know, everybody afraid of us. 
But to imagine day after day after day after day, and your family has now left you alone. The family doesn't want to see you. Nobody does. They were outcast. And it's interesting that he's on the border with, some, with Samaria and Galilee, which are two people, groups of people who hate each other, don't talk to each other, don't want to be with each other. But let me tell you, sometimes barriers break down in the midst of tragedy. Now, just like you, I was here a few years ago when it rained 51 inches. Remember that week? We call it Harvey. And barriers started to break down, and people who normally wouldn't have talked to each other were, were talking to each other, and people of different races, of different political parties, of different ideologies were talking to each other and helping each other. And I remember being in some houses with some of you that we were helping people we didn't even know cleaning out their houses, literally taking out everything that they owned, out and creating a huge pile out by the street in the front yard. And I remember with some of you gathering in a circle with those folks and praying and thinking that maybe a week or two earlier they would have told us if we would have asked to pray, they would have said, get off my lawn. And now there we were in an embrace, praying together. That sometimes in the midst of tragedy, all these things break down and we are able to be together. I think I'm about to lose my microphone. So the lepers were outcast. And now here's this cry for mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. This is different than any of the other miracle stories. In the other miracle stories, Jesus will reach out and he'll even touch a leper. He'll reach out and touch someone. And we talk about the power of that, like in the book of Mark, for example. That Jesus sometimes would tell a person to be cleansed. He put mud on a man's eyes and the man was, was healed. And Jesus would do things like that. But here he doesn't even say the words, be healed. Instead, what Jesus says is, go show yourself to the priest. This is really different. And so it's not like he's waiting to see right there in front of him, it happens. Wow. It doesn't even happen that way. It's as they went. So see in Luke 17, verses 15 through 19, where this, where this true account goes on. So in Luke 17, 15 through 19, it says, One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, after I had all my PowerPoint done, my sermon was basically done, and I'm looking at this passage, and I, or at this sermon, and I'm going over it and, and trying to get it all in my head, I saw this part in a way this was another part I'd never seen before and let me tell you it's a little bit hard for me to even get this out this morning because I had emotion like I'd never had when I saw this passage and I don't know why it hit me the way it did but I keep saying it over and over in my head so I can get it out do you know what it's like when you just want someone to be well someone you love Maybe, maybe it's yourself. Maybe you've been sick and the doctors said, we can't do anything. But maybe it's someone you love. Maybe it's a spouse, a child, maybe a parent, maybe a good friend. You just want them to be well. You have prayed and prayed and prayed, and you just want them to be well. As he was walking along, 
he realized he was well. That's incredible. Now, let's just say, for example, we don't know when it was, what time of day, but let's just say it was 1.22 p.m., and he is sick and his skin is pale. And at 1.23 p.m., he realizes he's well. He doesn't have leprosy anymore. It's over. It's over. And how in the world could that be? Can you imagine what it's like for these ten men all at once? Wow! And so you have this one guy who comes back to Jesus, this Samaritan, who realizes that it is from Jesus that this has come. Now, this is what gets me about the other nine. I wonder if the other nine thought it was just a coincidence that they got well. And I can imagine them telling the story to their families as they show up at their families' houses later in the day. And I say, wow, it was incredible. Let me tell you, we've been out there in the leper colony forever and, and doing leper colony stuff, and we've just been sitting around. And then one day, we, were, we got up and we're walking on this road, and we see Jesus, and we know about Jesus, and so we say, Jesus, Master, you know, heal us. And he doesn't heal us. What he says is, go show yourself to the priest. And so we're just walking along to the priest, and all at once, you know, I look over at, at Josiah, and Josiah, I realize, Josiah, you've got the color back in your face. Josiah, look at all those bumps that were on your skin. They're all gone now. You, you're well. And Josiah looks at me, and he says, look, Joseph, you're well too. You don't have any. Your color's back. You're well. What a coincidence that there we are. We had seen Jesus. We just happened to be, you know, out, out getting some fresh air from the colony. And then saw Jesus. He says, and then what a coincidence that all at once we're well as we're on our way to the priest. Just a coincidence. One man realizes it's from Jesus. One man figures it out. Now, this goes back to what I preached a few weeks ago, that somehow it seems like, including me and all of us sometimes, whenever, whenever we're in conversation and we're talking about things happen, wow, I got, a, I got a promotion, thank goodness. Wow, my kids, well, thank goodness. Wow, things are going great for me, thank goodness. Who is this goodness person? Why are we thinking goodness and not thinking God? Now, I understand that there are atheists and people who use God's name in vain, and they're even using God's name in vain when they say thank God sometimes. But if, but if his own children can't recognize that it is from God himself, who's going to recognize God? We ought to be the people who, when we say it, we are saying a prayer. Thank God for what God has done. God is goodness, incidentally, but it is thanking God of being brave and bold and just saying thank God for what you've done, not, oh, wow, I was lucky, oh, wow, what a coincidence, oh, wow, thank goodness. Really, Christians? The man who realized was a Samaritan. The Samaritan was healed. Wow, he realizes what's happened and no one would have imagined, first of all, that Jesus would have given him the time of day, and second of all, that he would have been the one that comes back, and third of all, that he could have even been healed. Now, but here's the really interesting part of what Jesus does. So you've got the group of lepers. It appears that there is at least one Samaritan. Maybe there are more, but there is at least one Samaritan, and apparently there are some Jews there. They're all intermingled together. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. The Jews are like, okay, we'll go to the priest. You know what the Samaritan would have said when he hears this going on? Okay. Because he can't go to the priest. 
He's not allowed to go to the priest because the Samaritans are from another place. They worship in a different way. They're considered foreigners. He can't do that. Matter of fact, to, to know this, I want you to see this next slide that's about to, to pop up. That is part of the ancient sign that was on the temple that you can see there. And the letters are fading. But this is what the, signer, the, the sign said. Parapet means wall, incidentally. Let no foreigner enter within the wall or in the parapet in the partition which surrounds the temple precincts. Anyone caught violating will be held accountable for his ensuing death. So if he goes to the temple and is cured of his, of his leprosy, he'll be killed. So he's saying, whoa, wait a minute, I've got the answer, but now I can't go do it. This is incredible. Sometimes we feel like there's no hope, we feel like there's no future, but somehow Jesus is in control and Jesus knows what that future is. And so you can imagine what this man feels like in life. First of all, he's been sent away from his family into a leper colony, but now there are some Jewish men or Jewish people that are in the colony with him, and at least he has a camaraderie with them and a relationship with them. But now they're leaving him as well. For just a moment, he must have felt like there is nobody in the world for me. I am all alone. So I want you to know this. That if you feel marginalized, or desperate, or hopeless, Jesus has a place for you. Let me tell you, you don't have to be poor, you don't have to be uneducated, uneducated as far as what people call education, to feel marginalized, or desperate, or hopeless. These are three things that all of us sometimes share in common, whoever or wherever we're from. That there are times that we all struggle with our self-esteem. Oh, they won't like me because I'm this or that. I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm the wrong, I'm the wrong nationality, I'm the wrong race, I'm of the wrong, from the wrong state, I have the wrong accent. Whatever it is, we all struggle with these things or sometimes. If you feel marginalized, if you feel hopeless, if you feel desperate, Jesus wants you. He wants you to be with him. He wants you to recognize him. He wants you to realize that he is the strength that, that, that you have, that he's the one that has given you the courage you have. He's the one that's given you the talent you have, that it all comes from God. He wants you to know that there is a place for you. There is no reason to give up. That he wants you. He's died on the cross for you, and he's been resurrected from the grave for you. That he wants you. That's interesting. When you think about the Samaritan's thankfulness here because it is an expression of his faith he believed he had faith and he comes back to say thank you could it be that even christians that come on sundays sometimes say yep yeah god did that for me but in their heads they're thinking but you know i did it myself could it be they even sing, you know, sometimes we sing about being thankful, and Matt has done a tremendous job today, and we sing songs about being thankful and thank you, Lord, for loving me, but in my head I'm thinking every accomplishment I've got, I did myself, you know that. Could it be? But this man, this man, whenever he comes to Jesus, his thankfulness is pouring out, his faith is pouring out of him. And Jesus said, it is your faith that has healed you, your faith in me, your faith in my Father. Your faith has done that. 
Sometimes those that have the least have the most gratitude. Not always, but sometimes that's the way it is. Whenever you have just a little bit, sometimes you're more grateful for what you have than a person who has a lot. So if I were to, if I were to take, have five hundred dollar bills now these are not hundred dollar bills because i don't trust y'all so and also because i didn't have five to have so but we're going to call them hundred dollar bills if i have five you know one two three four five and somebody gives me another one say hey thanks wow that's great now i got six yeah that's good i might even go do something say hey i think i'll go eat with that but if i don't have any None at all. And someone gives me a $100 bill. I'm like, wow, I got $100. Now, if I have five and somebody gives me one, somebody says, how was your day today? Oh, it's good. What happened? Oh, normal stuff. Just, you know, went to work, went to the store. Yeah, it's good. Well, did anybody give you anything? Oh, yeah, somebody gave me $100. Yeah, that's good. But if I don't have any money and I don't know how I'm going to eat, I don't know how I'm going to pay the insurance. I don't know how I'm going to pay the car, the car repair or even for the car or whatever it is. And somebody gives me $100. I'm going, this is the greatest day of my life. Somebody gave me $100. This is wonderful. Praise God. Because sometimes those that have the least have the most gratitude. Well, I want to be one of those people, whether we have a lot or we have a little, that we are people that are so thankful to God for what God has done and realize that every single blessing we have comes from God. Inter interesting, when you look at statistics on giving, for example, that's, that there have been some well-known people lately that have been giving large amounts of money, and this may change the scenario of things, but, but those in the highest bracket overall historically have given about 1.2% of their funds to charity, just charity in general, and those in the lowest bracket on average give about 32 the state that gives the most to charity per person is Utah. I wonder why the Mormons are growing. Just think about that for a minute. But those that have the least have the most gratitude sometimes. So I heard this just this week. That Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, and you may know which one that is, it goes dun da 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 now, that was a cappella version, so you might not have recognized it. But it was written by a deaf man about the joy of life. He wrote it over several years. He was living in Vienna. Vienna had been overrun by Napoleon's French troops. World and His world was kind of in flux, trying to figure out what was going on. But what was worse was he was losing his hearing. And what he could hear most of the time was just a ringing sound that drove him crazy. But instead he writes the Fifth Symphony about joy of life that became known as the Victory Symphony. When he could have said, I just want to quit because he had talked about quitting. And I mean quitting his life on occasions before this. So we can find good things to think about and good things, good things to be grateful for. Which is my question for us today. What am I grateful for? What am I grateful for? There's a theologian that, that, or, and writer, some of you probably heard of. His name is Henry Nowen, died 20 or 30 years ago. But one of the things he talks about is, is that we must be grateful for everything that has made us 
what we are. We're grateful for all of it. Now, that's, that's hard because we know some terrible things have happened to all of us from time to time. But he says you find a way to be grateful even for the good things that are in the bad thing that has occurred. And that's not, written, that's not saying everything that's happened is good, but there is good that comes from all of it because it all makes us who we are. His point is, and what he says, paraphrasing him, but he's saying that if we have a bucket that has all of our good events in it, and a bucket that has all of our bad events in it, and said, oh, I'm only going to remember the good, what happens is we're still carrying the bucket that has all the bad in it. And we still go back and revisit what's in the bad. But if I can put those things together, and I can start appreciating the way God was working through all of them, I become a happier, more joyful person as I realize God was at work all along which really makes me think of this verse in Romans, Romans 8, 28, for you know, all things work for the good of those who love the Lord, that all things I can be grateful for, even though they were difficult, and even though some of them may have been terrible, I can find a way to be grateful for them. I had not read Emily Ufer's article whenever I wrote this sermon, but if you have not read this article, it is powerful about her health problems and the Ufers are always, are always here. They're very active members of this congregation. But I want you to hear this one paragraph in case you don't read it yourself. Talking about her own struggle with gastroparesis. The journey itself holds a valuable lesson. Pay attention to the work that God is doing right now in the current season of your life. Often we would get frustrated and ask God why I was so sick for so long. Ultimately, we knew deep down that we were each being broken and remodeled in his, remolded in his image. Now I know that our faith is stronger. Our marriage is stronger. We are individually better people. Still very flawed, but better. We are thankful for the journey. Those are powerful words. Especially from someone who has lived what she wrote. We find a way to be grateful, even in the most difficult times. So I pray that your Thanksgiving is wonderful and you are with all the people you want to be with and you get all the turkey you want and all the mashed potatoes or whatever it is that you want. But even if you don't, there are reasons to be grateful. We praise God for what God has given us, what God has done, even in the midst of our turmoil, we praise God. This morning, maybe you're ready to be baptized into Christ and your sins will be forgiven. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll, you'll be a part of his kingdom. He says, you're in the family. You can do that this morning. Others of us, we just need prayer. And if you're watching online or you're in the audience, you can write to us at elders at mcoc.org and our elders will pray for you. Let us know if it's private or public or you can come forward. Let's be grateful people. Come as we stand and sing.